This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Eaton. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Heese, and we have another great episode for you tonight. We are talking with Brent Woodward of uh, Southern Michigan. Him and I went on a bear hunt recently that you've probably seen if you follow any of our social media. So the first part of the podcast is going to be him and Brian and myself discussing our bear hunt in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and then we're going to roll into what each of our goals are for 2020 hunting season. We're all traveling around the country to different spots this fall, and we just get into you know what our expectations are and what we'd like to take home uh, if you know God is willing and, and the chance presents itself. So tune in. I wish you all some good luck this fall, and uh, this is another just exciting episode, hunting-related and habitat-related, even some bear habitat. So it's pretty cool. Now, I want to thank the listeners for tuning in once again. You guys are the best. I got another great review, um, two great reviews on iTunes. So thank you for those reviews. I will get some free Habitat podcast details sent out to you guys who left those. That's awesome. Now, I want to bring you a little bit of information on uh, Stony Creek Realty. Chad over at Stony Creek has teamed up with Realtree and United Country. Now, they're a pretty big operation. They sell the most uh, recreational land in the country. So Chad's new name for his company is actually Realtree United Country Land Pro Lake States Realty and Auction. Uh, So what this does is it partners up Stony Creek, which is now Lake State Realty and Auction, with the Realtree United Country Land Pro Division. 
So Chad's very excited about that. Be sure to follow him on Facebook. If you're already following Stony Creek, then you're already following the new Realtree name. And uh, Chad's pretty excited. He's got a new listing in Clinton County, Michigan on there already. So be sure to tune in there. Next, we have uh, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. I was just over at our team meeting yesterday. Uh, we had a good get-together with uh, some new guys joining the team and then the guys that have been around for a while. Talked about some of our discussions this year, what our plans are. You know, if you guys want to watch some great, real hunting, MichiganWhitetailPursuit.com is an awesome place to be. There's also a, a new group on Facebook. Well, not so much new anymore, but the Michigan Whitetail Pursuit is a group on Facebook. I think they're up to like 14,000, 15,000 members now. There's a lot of great deer hunting and just regular hunting uh, discussion on that group. So check them out. It's Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. Lastly, I want to thank Sound Barrier Hunting for their support of the podcast here. I have my saddle platform, my climbing sticks, and my lone wolf uh, stick and I'm sorry, uh, stand and sticks done up with the buck bumper from Sound Barrier. This stuff is a silencing adhesive backed material that takes away any metal clings and clangs you might get in the woods. Now, Adam over at Soundberry has gone over this already, how deer hear, um, how far sound travels in the woods. We interviewed Adam on this already back in episode 85. So if you're curious about how well deer can hear and how even being a little bit loud in the woods can affect your hunt, check out that episode. We're going to have Adam on again soon for some October hunting strategies, so tune in there. And make sure you use the code HP at checkout, and you'll get 10% off and free shipping on all the Buck Bumper products. That is soundbarrierhunting.com. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Let's get into Brent Woodward on the Upper Peninsula Bear Hunt and our 2020 hunting goals. We are back, everybody. Another episode of the Habitat Podcast. We have our doe slaying Shoulder busting co-host Brian Hallboy on the line. What's up, Brian? What's going on, my man? Oh, just uh, well, we just kind of talked for the last hour with our land plan client Jackson. So you and I are primed and, and ready to go for the podcast here. What and a property, got, huh? Oh yeah, he's got a special spot in Iowa there. Um, if he doesn't kill in that sanctuary, I'll be surprised for sure. Those trail cam pictures are unreal. Yeah. Jackson, good luck this fall, buddy. That's a heck of a property. And uh, should be even better after that plan's going. So thanks again for trusting us with the podcast with that. Our special guest is a friend of mine and Brian's, actually a neighbor of mine that I, I met one day. Uh, his name is Brent Woodward. What's going on, Brent? Hey, not too much, Jared. Thanks for having me on. Of course, buddy. We've been uh, friends for a while. We wanted to get you on here. Just uh, figured that the bear hunt wrap up and 2020 goals was a good, a good time to get you on. So appreciate you coming on, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. So let's start this out. Let's hear about who Brent Woodward is. Paint us a picture. I always like to say, you know, if somebody's imagining you right now, I guess show us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, like you said, Jared, name's Brent Woodward. Um, born and raised in Michigan, uh, grew up on the west side of the state, 
Uh, I went to college at good old CMU Fire Up Chips and uh, ended up staying there um, for, well, 2000 to 2013. Uh, I ended up being a sheriff's deputy there, and um, then career path took me to southeast Michigan, which is when I met you. But I grew up hunting everything from small game to whitetails, and in the last few years I've been exploring out with some exotics, you know, alligator hunting, and uh, did some bear hunting in the past, and that's what our last endeavor was, is our bear hunt. Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy. You grew up in one of the towns where I learned how to hunt, actually the same town I shot my first deer in ever, on some state ground outside of Hesperia, Michigan. And then you went to Central. I went to Central different times. And then uh, end up being my neighbor just on the road. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, how we never passed or crossed paths in the prior, I don't know. Because, yeah, we same stomping ground, same hunting grounds, everything. So Yeah, you're right. I used to hunt property next to property you used to hunt. And uh, even in college, you were a sheriff's deputy. It's amazing we never crossed paths. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so that's awesome, man. Um so what do you do for a living, and um, what are you planning on hunting this fall? And then we'll get into our bear hunt. Yeah, so uh, I had to get out of law enforcement because of an injury, and I'm now in the private sector still doing investigations uh, for corporation. Um, and then as far as hunting this year, other than my bear hunt, I'm uh, just doing some whitetail hunting in Michigan and Wyoming and uh, might Depending on how season goes, I might mix in an Ohio public land hunt, um, but focusing on Michigan and Wyoming is the main part. Very nice. And I know you've been on one bear hunt before the one you and I went on, which you were successful at. And Brian, how many bear hunts have you been on? You you shot a bear, haven't you? Never. Oh, I thought you had a bear rug in your in your den there that I've been no. to. Bison. That's bison. a bison rug. Yep, they look a lot like bear hides, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> no, I've, I've, I've hunted uh, a couple of times in the mountains of Pennsylvania here where I live. Uh, a lot different hunting. You can't bait. Uh, it's all, you know, you have to figure out where they're cruising and, and get lucky. I did go on a on one bear hunt up in the Canada. I guess that was about 10 or so years ago. Um, that was when... Hurricane Katrina, I believe, came in. I remember that. And all the stands were set for north winds, obviously, in Canada. And everything was coming out of the south when that hurricane came through. So we kind of had to, you know, make things happen. We didn't have any stands to hang. So we kind of had to mix up the, the plan that the outfitter had and saw a couple of bears but just couldn't make it happen. Gotcha, gotcha. Was that one of those trips where you fish as well? Yes, yeah, north, catching northern pikes like they're bluegill is crazy. So I'm thinking, so Brent and I went to the UP of Michigan, and that's where we're going to talk about here briefly in a minute. Um, but that took me like seven to eight years. It took me eight points to get, and Brent had five or six, I believe. That's a long time to yeah, wait for was, another bear hunt, right? Yeah, I was on year six when we drew. Okay. So, I mean, we could go to the west side of the UP. Um, there's more pressure over there, but if you could mix in, like, a walleye or pike fishing in the morning and then bear hunting in the afternoon, I could see how that could be advantageous. Oh, definitely. So, 
Yeah, count me in for that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, before Brent and I went bear hunting this year, I've been just getting points. I never really had the urge to go. Brent kind of kept pushing ahead. got the spot. We should get up there before we lose our spot. And so we did. And now I tell you what, there's way more strategy that goes into it than I ever thought. Um, we kind of thought it'd be a lot easier than it was, didn't we, Brent? Yeah, that's the thing, because people think you just throw out some bait and go and kill a bear and People get a lot of flack for that, and that's like you said, that's just not the case. There's a lot of strategy and planning, and and uh, you know, setting up the right spot and putting the right bait out at the right time. Well, yeah. and like you said, Jared, um, this was my second time around. My first hunt was six years ago, and I guess yeah, that hunt spoiled me, if you will. Um, we can get more into the details in a few, but. I learned so much more on this hunt um, with you than I did in the past because the last hunt it was, I mean, we had bears coming in. Um, it was just a waiting game. Which one do you want to shoot? And this this hunt taught both of us, I think, a real lot and gave me an eye-opening experience on bear hunting's not easy. It's, it's definitely a challenge, and, um, yeah, you got to work for them. Yeah, their their noses are better than a deer's. Um, they're predators, and and again, the the wind, the scent, the bait. There's a strategy to baiting. There's a strategy to everything. It's uh, we learned a lot. Um, let's let's jump into that, and then we'll get to our our hunting goals for uh, 2020 because we all have some cool trips coming up. Um, so we finally drew. We get our we get our tags, and we're. We're on a permission property. You know the owner of the property. It's a big swamp up in the UP, private ground. And a, and what was it? Two or three weeks before season, we about got kicked off. Yeah, it was uh, beginning of August. Um, went up on a scouting mission to kind of see what we were walking into, and found out that there was another hunter um, on the property that had actually drawn first hunt. Right, so we drew the second hunt, which was five days after the first hunt, and even though it was a gigantic swamp, there's only one trail or or quad track or two track or whatever you want to call it into this property. Um, yep. That, that doesn't make sense to to me if I wasn't there. Like, that wouldn't make sense to me. I'd be like, why don't we just go around and come in from the other side? Um, after seeing it, you can't see 30 yards in that entire cedar swamp. It's, yeah. uh, you know, we were, you had to go in there with a chainsaw and cut your way back to your, your, your pine tree island that you were hunting on. I mean, it's very, very thick. So we found out this guy's there. He has more clout with the owners than we do. And we end up getting told, stay out until he kills his bear. That could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a day. So we kind of. Yep put all of our six to eight years of applying in one basket, and then we're told to pretty much pound sand or or whatever. So that was kind of nerve-wracking. I, I didn't really like that feeling for a while, not knowing what we are going to do. Yeah, no, I won't lie. It was uh, not the situation I expected. And me and you had some conversations on, you know, what to do. Do we just bag it, scrap it, and try something different, or – try hiring a guide or and we made the executive decision just to hang tight um the property holds a lot of good bear 
and that was my hope that he would go in. His season started five days before ours, and I figured he'll go in, hopefully kill, and, you know, we're going to get in late, but better late than never, so. Yep, and that he did. We got a call uh, on his second night. He shot a big 350-pound dressed bear, right? Yep, yep. I got the text on Friday. I was up uh, north fishing and got the text that he had killed, and we were good to go. So fast forward to uh, the day before opener, a few days later, we're up there in the UP. We went back there. We hung all of our stands. We had three baits. One was his bait. Two were new baits that we just started that day pretty much, and um, we were pumped, you know. He killed a big bear in two days. We were pretty jacked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, even going in, there was definitely some fresh bear sign. Um, Both the new baits had been hit, and, you know, so high expectations. Um, I only hung one trail cam when I went up the first time, Um, so had very limited intel. But, yeah, I mean, we got back to my spot, rebaited it, instantly looked at trail cam, and uh, we had – Bears on camera, so. Well, a bear. Well, yes. <laughs> so, so your spot had a bear on it, and your spot was how far back off the road? Uh, three quarters of a mile. Three quarters of a mile. So I had the two baits up front that I was kind of checking on, and the first two nights we hunted, um, the trail cameras nor us saw a bear. Yeah, it was going in with the expectations we had. Um, it was disappointing, but if you remember, I, I did tell you going into it, I said, second hunt, the biggest problem we're going to run into is in Michigan, that second season, dogs are allowed to start running. And, you know, my hunt six years ago, the first couple of days, baits went dry. I mean, from bears coming in every day to not seeing a bear, not hearing a bear, not even nocturnal. The movement just stopped. And, you know, it's not a good feeling not knowing. Are the baits dry because of that? Did we spook these bear? You know, what's going on? So, yeah, it, first two days, they're very nerve-wracking. Yeah, um, I mean, we were having a good time. We were getting, you know, a couple of beers at the bar at night, and we were, you know, you went fishing that one morning while I was working, and we were enjoying ourselves. Don't get me wrong. It was just five or six hours of sitting there staring at chipmunks and then nothing two days in a row. I was on a kind of a tighter time crunch, so I was a little more nervous. Um, but, I mean, it was awesome, and I think uh, – I think when we sat in the bar restaurant that second night, we had met a guy named Paul, and Paul is the freaking man, by the way. Paul, if you're listening to this, yes. you're the man. Um, Paul shot a bear that second night, and uh, so we went out and saw his bear. He had a nice big sow, and uh, he's like, hell, you guys haven't seen anything. I want you hunt one of my spots. And that's when it started to, to change for me. Um, and you as well, because we started to realize that the bears were not in the cedar swamp yet at this point. 
we were looking on Facebook, we were on these bear groups, and what were you seeing? You know, people were killing them up on the state ground, up in the woods, right? Yeah, um, well, on the stand, not a lot to do, like you said. So I was, you know, searching these uh, Facebook groups, bear hunting Facebook groups, and I was seeing a lot of action around our area on state land in pressured areas, but these guys were all hunting ridges. And at the time, I assumed they were on acorns, you know, up on the oak ridges. Later, we found out that it was chest. That's not chestnuts. Beach nuts. Was it? Beach nuts. Um, they, yeah, these these bears were up on the ridges eating beach nuts, and um, yeah, they were not in the swamp, which answered a lot of our questions. Well, it's just interesting because like we're going into this as newbies, uh, at least me, and like the habitat thing always strikes home, and we're getting all these people saying they're killing on the state ground up on the high ground. We're down in the swamp. There's no mass down there. So it's just like early season deer on acorns is is what I found, what we found, where the bear run the beach nuts, same thing. So I thought that was pretty cool coming from our habitat, you know, podcast background and this and that, that that was no different than tracking down deer on a big chunk of land up in, you know, the big woods. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah, when the funny thing was, me and you had spoke about it Tuesday evening. We got back from our hunt. You know, we were sitting at the hotel prior to going over to the bar, and we just both said, they're like, they've got, they've got to be on the high ground. They've got to be feeding on beech nuts, acorns, some type of mass, like you said. And we walk into the bar, and Paul, he's like, yeah, man, I killed this nice one. And it was like the second sentence he said. He's like, yeah, we found this huge throw-up pile of beech nuts, you know, bear had been in there and threw up all these beech nuts. And both of us looked at each other like, ding, ding, ding. We, you know, we knew something was up and he confirmed it. So, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Brian, when you guys were hunting Canada, were you, were you on bait or were there, was there mast in the area or what, what was it like up there? I mean, it's pretty bushy up there up in Canada. I know, I know it is. No, oh, goodness. You couldn't see 20 feet from the stand. Yeah. It was all baits, yeah. They they kept them baited pretty good. And what did you guys use for bait up there? Do you do you know, or would they tell you? I'm trying to remember because I forgot. I did go to New Hampshire too. I had a I met a contact when I was running the magazine uh, from New Hampshire that invited us up, and he would go to a bakery and get all their day old stuff, donuts, croissants, bread, everything, and take it out. So we were baiting with that. I'm trying to remember what they used in Canada, but. I can't recall right now. Well, some guys, um, some of the guys we met later on, they wouldn't even tell you what they're using. It's kind of a, it's kind of huh. a, you know, part of their part of their strategy. Right. Um, so moving forward, the next day, Brent, we we drive Brent way back into his stand with a quad this time. We thought we'd bait what we call bait him in. So I got on the quad, drove a bunch of bait back. Brent walked back. We pull all the bait out. We move your stand to a better tree for the wind. And then we left the quad running the whole time. Didn't make any noise from us, really. And then I drove out. We hoped that that would signal to any bears within, I don't know, 500 yards that some fresh bait here. Um, so then I drove out, hooked up with Paul, and he. then we drove another 45 minutes out to his state land spot. Um, he dumped some 
candy out there, and I grabbed my saddle and shimmied up a tree about 18, 20 feet up. Um, Brent, what was, what was he using for bait? He was using, he dumped a handful of uh, dots, like the candy. Like oh, literally candy. candy. I thought you were just like saying, oh, he just tossed some candy out there. No, he dumped that, and he had this special syrup that he threw on the tree. As soon as he opened that bottle, I could smell it. I'm like, holy cow, because I was down one of the bait, you know, 20 yards, 15 yards probably, chip shot, and um, it was strong. And he'd been baiting that spot a bunch. Um, he just, uh, you know, the camera wasn't picking up any bears. So I went in there. I went up that tree. And he walked out, got in his truck, and drove off. So he kind of baited me in. Well, Brent and I both sat that those stands. Brent, you didn't see any bear that night, right? I didn't see one, but that was the night. To back up just a little bit so the listeners understand, when we got there on Sunday, like you said, we had one bear coming into my spot. And he was coming in middle of the night. And the first picture we got was like 2 a.m. Then he moved up or maybe it was midnight, then he moved up to, like, 10 p.m., and so theoretically, we were figuring on Wednesday, and that was the reason we had you bait me in, was by his pattern, he should be hitting my stand right around dark. Um, So, yeah, that was the night that I didn't see him, but right at dark, I heard a bear coming behind me. I mean, it was very distinct. There's no deer in the swamp, and it came up probably 20, 25 yards behind me. But like we said, it's so thick you can't see. And it was just like it disappeared. And afterwards we assumed it caught my wind based on the wind direction. But, yeah, that night did not see one, but that was my first encounter with one definitely near me. Which is better than the two nights we've had before that. <laughs> yeah, major. Uh, so, that, so that I'm sitting, I have no service, I don't, I can't text you or anybody don't know how you're doing and it's getting darker and I, and I hear a twig snap and everybody t- told me you're not going to hear these bear come in you're not going to hear them they're they're predators they have soft feet you won't hear them I, I mean my buddy Chet told me that I've heard that a bunch of times I heard this first bear like 40 yards away I couldn't believe it I look and I just saw the rear end go into a thicket and it walked around the bait in the thick stuff way out in front of me 40 yards all the way out in front of me, and I could hear him walking. I could not see him, and uh, he got to upwind of the bait. I'm like, all right, well, now he's, unless he's going to do a 360, he's just going to come to the bait. Well, he ended up walking off, and that was that, and I thank God for a pretty cool encounter. At least I saw a bear. I was, my heart was in my throat. It was amazing. I was jacked, and uh, I'm like, all right, well, if I hunt one more night, maybe, I'll piss the wife off for sure, but I might shoot this bear. <laughs> so I'll wait 10 minutes, and I'll I'll get down. I'll sneak out of here. I'll leave everything in the tree, and I'll go. So I wait about 10 minutes, and it's getting closer to closing time, darker, and I hear a bigger twig snap from the same direction that one came, and I go, oh, my goodness, here we go. And... Black as night comes walking through the woods and walks closer, closer, right to my tree, to the base of my tree. Doesn't care about the bait one bit. 
wash the base of my tree, and start sniffing around in the ground. And, you know, I, and this thing's gigantic. I mean, to me, it was gigantic. And uh, it's right under my saddle platform. I'm hunting in a saddle. So for those of you that know, you're not sitting on the front of the tree facing outward. You're sitting behind the tree facing the tree, tethered to the tree with your saddle rope or your tether. And the bear is directly under me. And I can smell the bear. I could not believe I could smell the bear from 20 foot up. And he's just, he or she was just sniffing and snorting, and it was pretty insane. I already got, like, a lot of my crazy shakes worked out on the first one, but I was still freaking out, for sure. Hadn't seen a bear in three days, and now I got one directly under me smelling my tree. Could come up the tree. I have no idea. Um... So I got my bow in my hand, my release is on, and he's straight below me. He starts to walk from under me back away from me. So I guess if you're in the middle of a clock, he went towards 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock, kind of off. So I drew, I spun my body 90 degrees to face straight backwards with my feet not moving because it was dead silent, didn't want to make any noise. And then I rotated my body 90 degrees straight down. So I was torqued up in all kinds of different directions, and uh, I got on him, and I got excited, and I let one fly. And uh, I knew as soon as I let the arrow go that I that I grazed him. And I, I shot left, I grazed him, I didn't didn't get a good shot. He ran off, like loud, he didn't groan, didn't do anything, he just ran off, and then stopped, he got silent, and I didn't hear any death moan or anything. I'm like, I must have just missed the dang thing. So, all right, well, I get down, I check my that's arrow. That's a tough shot, that turning around and trying to shoot behind you out of a saddle. That's that's not easy. It it wasn't, and I just, you know, maybe, I don't know. Hindsight's always twenty twenty For sure. But it was such a big black target, and I just got, I got jacked up um, and just got, got, my emotions got the best of me for sure, and I, I flung it, torqued it left, and I could have sworn I missed him or grazed him. When I got down, the arrow had just a little tiny bit of, of blood on the fletchings, like a spatter, and then it had a bunch of black hair and fat on it, like grease on it. Um, but pretty clean overall, wouldn't you say, Brent? Yeah, I mean, when you showed me the arrow, um, I, I was hopeful because, like you said, in case listeners don't know, I mean, bears – have so much fat on them that even a, a well-placed heart shot, a lot of times the arrow won't have a ton of blood because it acts as a sponge or, you know, it wipes all the blood off on exit. But, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great, but like I say, I was hopeful based on my past experience. Yeah, and I I wasn't. I was, I walked, when I got back to the hotel, Brent's like, where you been? You have no service. Are you alive? I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And I told him I didn't see anything, and we could bullshit it for a couple of minutes. And I walked in with the arrow and showed it to him. He started, he's like, you son of a gun, you tripped me, blah, blah, blah. So that was fun. <laughs> you, you owed it to me. You guys, you, are always, it to me. you guys are always screwing me, so I had to get you once. No. Yeah. Us. Yeah, I mean, you so, owed it to me. Oh, I owe you a lot more than that. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we, we brought the arrow over to the bar. It's common theme, the bar. And uh, Yeah. Paul ended up walking in later, and we showed it to him, and 
Like, oh, well, I'd be like, ah, you know, not a good shot. I'd graze him, and we'll go look in the morning. But actually, so he he knew a couple local guys up there, and um, we actually had his three buddies join us the next morning. And we we started tracking, and uh, there was actually blood. And, I mean, my my arrow, like I said, had nothing on it. My arrow was buried 14 inches in the dirt. Everything was clean. We started tracking. There was some decent blood. So now I'm yeah, like, yeah, hopeful. You did. You look at me. You're like, nice man. I'm like, ah, I hope, man. But I'm not feeling it. I just, I just had this nagging feeling that I didn't make a, you know, a good shot. So ended up we tracked it for I think 300 yards. These guys, some of the best blood trackers wow. I've seen. I mean, the guy was on his hands and knees. Putting his hands on the on the leaves, go, looking for the impression of the bear print, which looked like straight leaves to me. I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Bear stepped right here," and then he crawled on his knees a little more. Bear stepped right here, and I mean, he could have been making that up for all I know. I don't think he was, but it was very impressive. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" And we we tracked a long ways, and just apparently, um, Brent, you probably know this better than I. Bears don't run that far if you hit them good, right? Like they, they're not like a deer where, well, I mean, if you hit them good, if you hit them and it's a fatal wound, they don't run like a deer does, right? No, they 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 cripple up pretty quick. Um, like a gut shot deer is going to probably go, you know, a couple hundred yards minimum before bedding down. Where, in my experience, gut shot bear or liver shot or anything like that. They're going to go max 100 yards, and they're laying down. They You take them off their feet pretty quick um, with any shot. So, And that's kind of surprising to me, being such a big predatory animal, that they just die that quick. But everybody at the, at the bar kept saying, oh, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. Well, we tracked him 299 yards, lost blood, and uh, we were out there, I don't know, four or five hours that day. And then we, we chalked it up as a... A swing and a miss or a, a Hail Mary that was not caught at the end of the game. So I feel uh, I feel I in my head that night I needed to try to make something happen, but I probably should have just grabbed your your twelve or twenty gauge slug gun you had and just finished the job instead of the bow. But it was it felt good. It felt like a good night and everything felt right, but the bear beat me. The bear beat me on this one, boys. Yeah, it's a tough call because, like you said, I mean, we were up there with archery equipment. I brought a gun for uh, tracking purposes, but you know, with your limited schedule, it, it was it was a tough call. I mean, and as Brian stated, the the angle you had, I, I give you credit for accomplishing what you did because out of a saddle, bear directly below you, getting the shot off was an accomplishment in itself. So, well, no thanks. I. I feel like I do have a little bit of flexibility in me, apparently. Um, I don't know how, but that was a that was a weird angle. If you all try that sometime, your, your body's not supposed to bend that way. But I tried. I, I swung and I missed. But I had to take off that next day. So you were up there solo, and you hunted well, Thursday, Friday. You started three more nights. Yeah. Yeah, so we got back. Um, I don't know. It was mid-afternoon by the time we got back uh, from tracking your bear. And 
you were getting ready to take off. So I got my stuff around, um, ended up going out Thursday night, and Thursday night was just pretty much a dud. Um, I'm trying to – I'm thinking it was – yeah, it was uh, – Thursday night was a dud, um, nothing. So I got up Friday morning with you being gone, didn't have a lot to do. Um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to rip down our front two sets. There's, you know, there's no point of – having those up. The bears haven't been hitting them. Um, so I went in, I pulled both the sets and pulled the cameras, got back to the hotel. And I don't know, I had like an, maybe like two hours before I was planning on going out. And I was like, ah, let me look through this one trail cam. You know, the bait was gone, but we'd had a lot of ravens hitting it. So I wasn't surprised. And sure enough, I get looking on the cam and Thursday, at 11 a.m. and then 6 p.m., um, there there was a real nice bear. Um, I had had, I'm thinking it was Wednesday at night. 11 a.m. as well? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't even tell you that. I, I discovered that after the fact. It was oh originally it was still about 6, 6 p.m., and it was actually after I got home that I started looking through it again. And I found he was there at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Um, but so I've, I've been in there. I've made all this noise. And like I was starting to say was I'd had a good bear start coming into my back set. Um, I don't I think it might have been Wednesday night after dark because we had one of your cell cams back there. So we were getting instant pictures, you know. And so then I was like, well, you know, what the heck? The, this big bear was on my bait on Wednesday night. Now Thursday during the day, this bear's up here during daylight hours, but I was just in there and made a ton of racket. Um, so I called you, and I'm like, dude, you're never going to believe this. Um, and you're like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, my plan is I'm going to go back to my back set. I'm going to hunt that tonight because I made a ton of noise. And then I think Saturday – I'll sit sit the front set. And you're like, no, you got to sit, sit that front set. And I was like, let me call Paul. I, I need a second piece of advice. And Paul was kind of wishy-washy. He's like, it could go either way, man. He goes, if it was me, you got daylight photos of the big one up front, sit up front. And I said, I'm telling you guys, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to sit up front, and that bear is going to pop out in the back. But, you know, I, I agree. you got to hunt the sign that's fresh. Um, so I elected to go to the front stand, um, went in there, just, I didn't feel good about it because I'd made all that noise and sure enough, about eight o'clock, you sent me a text and boom, not the big one, but the, I'd say 225, two, 225 pounder was in on my back set. And I'm like, dang it. I knew it. I should have sat in the back. Um, and in retrospect, we've talked about it. I think that bear knew I was there. Um, that was the one I'd been coming in. Even if I had been back there, I'm pretty sure that bear would have winded me. He was doing a lot of scent checking yeah. uh, before coming in. Uh, but, you know, it's a it's a frustrating feeling. You know, there's a bear on one of your sets, and you're not on it. So yeah. it's Friday kind of like, like, uh, like you said, you got to hunt where you had the pictures last, but you had yep. just made a bunch of noise in there. And yeah. and then I thought maybe you said screw Jared and Paul and their ideas and went to the back anyways. So when I got mm-hmm. that picture, I'm like, 
He's probably gonna shoot this thing in like three seconds. Because <laughs> I thought I thought you might have been back there. I didn't know, you know. And anyways, yeah. Continue. Well, no. So Friday was Friday was a dud, and um, it, it was. I ain't gonna lie. It it tore on me a bit because um, bear hunting is to me a lot more stressful than deer hunting. Um, me and you discussed it. I, we're both killers. I mean. I'm not Dan Info, not even close to him, but at the same time, I feel like you put me in an area with game, you know, deer, stuff like that, I'm going to get on one. I, I'm going to move. I'm going to make the moves I need to. Well, with bear, it's so much more difficult because you're hunting a swamp that's so thick that you can't really, there, you know, there's only certain locations you can put stands. And second of all, they're coming in to bait. Um, you know, where whitetails, you can get on one of their trails. You can find where bucks making rubs, you know, get between bed and feed. Bear hunting is just so much different. So I I was a little little rattled, you know. And uh, so I went in Friday night, just grabbed a sandwich and cold drink. And I'm like, all right, tomorrow's the day. I got to make tomorrow happen. Um, so I didn't even go to the property on Saturday at all. I was, I had a few things I needed to still do. Um, but I was like, no, I'm not even going to the property. I'm leaving it completely calm, not making a peep. Um, end up getting out and into my spot. I don't know, maybe like three thirty or so. Um, ended up having a little bit of rain on Saturday. So I was not happy about that. Um, so, you know, it was sprinkling on and off lots of Ravens. And the entire time, I just kept thinking to myself, tonight's the night. This, this bear's going to show up, 6.30, daylight hours. I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to have plenty of time. It's going to happen. Well, 6.30 came, 6.30 went, 7 came, 7 went, and I was starting to get a little discouraged. Um, rain picked up a little bit, probably like 7.40, and I almost called it. I mean, I was, I was getting drenched, and I'm like, this is just not – not the way I expected this. Um, I had to pull out of town on Sunday. Um, hotel reservations were up. I couldn't extend them. And so I was getting so a little as frustrated. Far as, as far as rain goes when it comes to bear hunting, does rain affect the bears much? Do you know? I don't know. I mean, um, guys that I've talked to have killed bears in the rain, but I, I can't say whether it increases their activity, decreases it really doesn't phase it. Um, For for me, my concern was I'm archery hunting. Right. And, you know, with with a whitetail, you you shoot one in the rain. It's frustrating. With a bear, I I was very concerned about, you know, being up there by myself. I'm in a thick swamp, and I'm going to be tracking a deadly animal on minimal blood if I get one. So that was – that was my concern was, right. you know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm up against a beast that can rip me limb, limb from limb. So, um, so yeah, it, it was off and on. It wasn't a heavy rain, but, you know, just enough. And um, just like Jared's story, it uh, light was definitely diminishing. I, I want to say on that date, legal shooting hours was like 818. Um, so I was like, you know, I got a few minutes. And all of a sudden I could just see a black blob in the woods and the spot that I was on, it goes from thick cedar up into an opening. And 
I'm like, that's got to be a bear. You know, I don't know which bear it is. That's got to be a bear. And sure enough, it came out. Um, <laughs> again, you don't shoot a deer like you – or I'm sorry, you don't shoot a bear like you shoot a deer. Um, you know, I'm used to finding that shoulder, come back two inches, tuck it, and let it rip. Yeah. Where with a bear, they tell you crosshair it, you know. Go yeah, middle – yeah, exactly. Make a crosshair on it right in the middle and shoot for there. So it uh, lined up on the bait barrel, and once I felt it was kind of established it wasn't going to be moving a lot, I centered, you know, the sight and just put it right in the middle of it, touched it off, and you could have literally counted like a 1,001, and then it ran. And I was just in like utter shock. I'm like, I had to have missed it. There's hmm. No animal gets shot. You know, granted, it's with archery equipment, so it's not like you had a big bang go off, but I just blew an arrow through this animal, you know. So I was confident I'd missed. Um, Pause, like Jared said, listen for that death moan, listen for anything. And they're they're a loud animal, but they, with those large pads on their feet, they get quiet quick. Yeah, Um, that's incredible. Didn't hear any crash. Yeah, I didn't hear any crash. It, It was just, I was. I was in Jared's, you know, once Jared found his arrow, that's the mindset I was in. I was like, I just blew my opportunity, you know. And so I got down, walked over to where I'd shot, found the arrow covered in blood. I'm like, all right, we're in the game. I hit it. Now, where did I hit it, you know? And um, I looked down and – Were you using your bow or using the crossbow that night? I had the crossbow that evening. Um Based okay. on you kept where that was, arrow, so I couldn't remember if which one you had. Yeah, no, no, I had I had the crossbow that night. Um, based on that stand being either you ripped the set down or I had to set up, it wasn't going to be conducive to being able to draw my bow. So I went with the crossbow that evening, um, which is the first time I've used that hunting and actually taking an animal. So I christened it on this bear. Um, well. The reason I ask is because we we have these bears scent checking us the whole time. So like the blind setup, you know, you couldn't shoot the bow out of that thing, and we no. had to get past these bears smelling us, right? So yep, I think that was your ticket to your success, partially, don't you? Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's what I say is. The way I had to set up on that that hunt that evening, um, it's what made it successful, but it made it impossible to shoot a bow. You know, there, I wasn't able to, um, you know, shoot out of that blind and et cetera with a bow. So I had to go to the crossbow, and, you know, I was okay with it. It was just – it was something different. Like I say, I'm so used to using my bow, and um, so it was a different setup, but it, it paid off. Well, obviously, it worked, and you didn't get scent checked or busted first off, which is the first key, and then, you know, the extra power, I mean, yeah. So, I'm sorry, I just want to make sure. Keep going. No, no, no. So, I I found the bull um, covered in blood, and then I started looking for blood, you know, because based on your, your experience, we had good blood, and it still went for quite a long way, so... I was debating, uh, Paul's buddies had told me if I shot one, you know, give them a holler, but they were 
about an hour away. So I'm like, yeah. I'd rather not call them down unless I know it's a vital hit. So I found pretty decent blood right off the get-go. I'm like, all right, we're going to give this thing 30, 40 yards, see what kind of blood I got. Because it was, again, starting to rain. So I was like, let me see what I got. I can mark last blood, worst case, and call them in. At that point, I'll be back in the swamp, so hopefully it'll protect the blood a little bit. And so I'm tracking this thing, um, again, super thick, and the blood trail was kind of headed to the left, and so my eyes are focused on that, and all of a sudden I kick what turns out to be the bear's left back leg. What? It had curled back and laid underneath a tree, Wow! and I – I had bought a 10-millimeter Glock specifically for this hunt um, <laughs> just, just to be on the safe side. And Yeah, we were packing. I don't think it – yeah, I don't think I've ever drawn that gun so quick. Um, drew it, backpedaling, light on the bear. If it had flinched, it, it would have got lead thrown at it. Um, but didn't move, <laughs> so I poked it with a stick, made sure it was dead. And once I knew it was dead, I grabbed a hold of it, and that's when I realized truly which bear it was. Um, it ended up being a big sow. Um, come to find out after everything, you know, came and went, it was a big boar that we had had on film, and that's the bear that was out during daylight hours on Thursday. But then the sow had came in, and again, she's, you know, big bulging stomach not seeing them side by side you would think they're the same bear um after killing her and looking at trail cam video or trail cam pictures side by side i realized which bear you know which bear it was which she's not as big as we had thought that's that boar i'm not great at estimating uh weight but you know different guys that looked at it that are good they're they're saying four four fifty all day um this sow ended up being 302. Um, but, again, you know, when I seen that big, bulging stomach, I was just on cloud nine. Um, and she only went 40 yards, uh, it, it, if, if even that. I hung a light on her and then went back to where I'd shot her, and she made a zigzag or two in the woods. So, by foot, she might have went 40 yards, but I think true distance, it was probably like 34 yards um, awesome, before she piled up. Dude, that's so awesome. Congratulations again on that, man. Heck yeah. Thanks, thanks. And where did the arrow go in and come out at? So that's the funny thing is um, I knew I was – she was quartered away a little bit, so I was, you know, trying that center shot. I ended up hitting basically right on top of her hip in the back. I mean, down, center to the body, but right above that hip, and I exited right through her throat. Um, oh, she's when I got her. her yeah, she was. Like you say, I couldn't tell how hard she was quartered. I thought she was, you know, a little more broadside. But um, yeah, the arrow went on that back hip, came out her throat. And when I gutted her, I had taken one lung out fully. The other one was sliced. Uh, you know, caused oh, nice. damage. But I'm pretty sure I jugulated her as well, which hence why. There was so much blood. Um, but, yeah, it, it was, I won't say skill, <laughs> a little bit of luck. But, um, yeah, it was a quick, efficient kill and um, extremely happy with the results. 
Ah, oh, dude. Coming from a guy who was sitting at home at that time, lying in bed, whatever, hanging with the... I think I was around a bonfire. I don't know what I was doing at that time, sitting with the kids, and I got that, that call from me. You were just... You were jacked. That was awesome, man. That was... I'm proud of you. Congratulations again. I wish I was in your shirt. Very nice, man. Heck of a, heck of a bear. What you dress out of that? Um, like I say, live weight was 302. Uh, we did not get a dress weight, if you will. Oh, I thought um, your dress weight was 302. Okay. No, no, live weight was 302. Um, oh, she was we, fat. We did, yeah, we, we didn't get done. From the time we got out of the woods, we did a little celebrating Wade gutted, yada yada. Um, I didn't get back to the hotel like just before one AM, so I was pretty well exhausted and knew I had to be on the road the next morning bright and early to beat the heat. Um, so That's awesome, brother. Congratulations again. I uh I got the pictures were awesome. It was fat. It was huge. Yeah, uh, great pictures. Look like a beautiful bear. Yeah, I don't know a ton about bear hunting, but I would have shot her all day long. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so now so you need to describe to me what Paul looks like, and if the bartender <laughs> asked me to buy a round for him, what was he drinking? <laughs> I think I did buy his dinner and drinks that one night, but you drinking beer? You, you did. did. I think he, I did. He's a beer guy. Okay. Yeah. Flannel shirt, yep, the, blue jeans. We cannot, we cannot disclose any other information about Paul. Huh. He's like a mystery man. Well, the funny thing you say that, Jared, is we were discussing this. I mean, the UP of Michigan is just like a whole different state. And granted, Paul is not from the UP. Yeah, he's, um, he's actually us. from South, yeah, Southeast Michigan. So he's not a UPer. Yeah. Not a true, but I think he's an adopted duper. Honorary. <laughs> Honorary for sure. Yeah. He's got a cabin up there and whatnot. But it was just, like you said, we met him on Sunday night, and on Wednesday he's putting you in one of his stands. You know, it just shows you the type of people sportsmen are and, you know, yeah. good people they are. Yep. Well said. Well said. I know – um I know next time we go bear hunting, we're, hopefully we can draw the same year as Paul again. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. No, what a great bear hunt. I appreciate you for for getting us on that on that property. That sucked the first two days. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> totally kidding. But, no, I do. And, uh, you know, we ended up drawing and getting to hunt when we wanted to, and things kind of fell into place. Um, next time I'm going to dedicate more days to it no matter what. And, uh I just think it was a, a great time. I We learned so much. It was insane. I can't wait six to eight more years, though, to go bear hunting again. There's no way. Oh, no. We we got to put something together, uh, whether it be Canada or I know you had a buddy that was offering some stuff up, you know, a little bit to the west of here. Yeah, Minnesota, whatever it be. You guys can come yeah. down to Dave Ham's camp. He's got a bunch of bears up there. Does he? There we go. Oh, yeah. Yep. I would love to go to Camp Ham. That'd be amazing. Um it, it's just, it's so much fun. It's just, it's like hunting mature bucks, except, I don't want to say harder because you're baiting them, but it's it's harder. It was harder to me that time, for sure, because we were kind of isolated or locked into our spots, but um, it was very cool. 
and hanging out in the UP for four days was amazing. So, did you guys deer hunt that property before? No, there's um, no deer on the one the, on the swamp we were on. There's no deer in that one. Okay. No, that's that's what I was gonna say. When I got introduced to the property, um, I didn't truly realize what it was. Went up there with the expectation to see deer, bear, wolves, cougar. You know, God only knows what. And we're on the. I'd say we're probably. 300 to 400 yards from the edge where it kind of comes up out of the swamp a little bit. And the neighbor's property, he actually has some food plots um, and stuff like that. Deer are over there, but they don't venture. In my all my times of being up there, I have never got a deer on film on okay. any of my uh, trail cams. Well, that was the bear hunt, guys. Um, took a little longer to, to cover than I thought it would because but that, I was excited, and that was a great hunt, and uh, I'm glad we we got that documented here. Great story. Yeah, awesome, awesome story, Brent. What are you doing with that bear? Are you getting it mounted? Are you getting, doing a rug or what? So my first bear that I killed, I did a rug on. Um, that was a, about a 230, 240-pound uh, bear. So I've got a rug. I'm doing a, I don't know, some people call it a three-quarter mount. Some call it a half. But basically a chest pedestal um, out of the wall a little bit of habitat, you know, log sure. and um, stuff on it. So just something different. You've seen my basement. Um, I've got a lot of different mounts down here. I'm just trying to diversify and, you know, kind of make it my trophy room. So, Yeah, man. Very cool. It's looking good down there for sure. Nice job again. Yeah. Uh, before we move on from the bear hunt, I, I do want to tell you, I spoke with our contact up there in the UP, Paul's boy, because um, he had a good one on film. And I wanted to see if they'd killed it. And uh, he asked me today, he's like, when's, when's Jared coming back up? I got a bait specifically for him. So you got until October 26th, just saying. There you go, man. I mean, I seriously I seriously might do it. So that's <laughs> October I, I, law. I, honestly, my, my, we're going to get into our hunts next and our plan this fall. Because I took off so much time for Iowa last year with my baby boy being so young, I kind of – Said I'd hang around here in my head to myself. Not to, I didn't say it to anybody else. But I said to myself. We, we lie about that stuff all the time, and we're not buying any new gear this year, and we're not doing yeah, this. Yeah, okay. you're right. You're right. We all have right. issues. No, we have issues. You're right. And, uh, I mean, I might buzz up there. I, I might. Once every eight years, like, you got to take advantage of that. Um, 100%. 100%. Why is it so difficult to get a tag? Why does it take so long? Well, there's different zones in Michigan that that have different application times. The western UP is like two to three years, I believe. The one we're at, so first of all, there's zones. Second of all, there's hunts. First hunt, second hunt, third hunt. Far western UP hunt number three, the later hunt, the latest hunt, is probably the easiest one to draw. And then it, you know, kind of compounds from there. Um why the eastern UP is seven to eight points, I would not have guessed that. But if you go into the northern lower, you're at more than that, right, Brent? Like eight. I think our buddy Adam, he was at like ten or twelve when he shot his bear in uh, the red oak, the red oak uh, zone. Yeah, you've got in Lower Michigan, you've got Baldwin, Gladwin, and then Red Oak. Uh, um, red Oak and Red Oak and Gladwin are up there. 
nine, ten points. I mean, you were getting close, to be honest, with the number of points you had, but Baldwin is the hardest unit in Michigan to draw, and guys are 14, 15 years to draw a tag there. Wow. Ted I thought there would be a lot right. more bears there. There, I mean, where, up north or down here? I mean, it has to be a population issue if, if they're limiting it like that. Because in PA, anybody can come in, buy a tag, resident, non-resident, and go bear hunting. No draw, no restrictions, no waiting. Yeah. And we've got a lot of bear, but it's, you know, we, we can't bait, so that could have something to do with it too. Yeah, I I don't know our population compared to PAs. Um, it has to be a population tell you, thing, though. It has to be. Well, and I can tell you that bear hunting when when I drew six years ago, I had four points. Um, you know, I and I almost had enough to draw first hunt with four points. Um, I elected to do the second hunt because of a schedule conflict. So we're seeing. I mean, it's a good thing we're seeing an increase of hunters, but the downside of it is. It, it takes longer because quotas are, you know, only so many licenses given out and more guys yeah, that's going crazy. Them, you so. can get a You can get a good unit in Iowa in less time than that. Correct. Yeah. You can get anyway. A, you can get a mediocre unit in Iowa, which is better than Michigan, in like a quarter of the time of that. So, yeah, it's uh, crazy. It's crazy. Um, I lost my train of thought. I think uh, – Let's get into our 2020 hunts and goals, what we're doing this year between the three of us. I know um, you guys are sharing a hunt. I'm yep. I'm apparently going back to the UP next month. Uh, just slid that in the schedule. <laughs> um, but I kind of want to also talk about our goals. You know what? What's your what's your goals for the year? I guess uh, Brian, let's start off with you. Um, we've been talking the whole damn time. Let's hear about what. You have on your hunting schedule this year. I'm sure we've heard a little bit about it, but go ahead and let us know what you got on the on the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, filled one of those goals last night. Got a nice healthy doe. Probably not even a mile from my house here, so that's pretty cool. Get to go out into the back 40 and venture out and watch a bunch of does and made a decent shot on one. And Good job, man. Got to cross that off the list, so... I'm uh, just fortunate, fortunate to have a uh, heck of an opportunity this year. Uh, started out just planning on going to Wyoming. I've got a good buddy up there. He's from Ohio. He moved to South Dakota probably 10, 15 years ago, and he's in the uh, Black Hills where um, Mount Rushmore and uh, everything butts up against Wyoming there, so... He actually bought a piece of property on the Wyoming side of the border, and uh, that's a pretty famous area. Anybody that pays attention to the real tree guys, they do a lot of filming around Devil's Tower, Sundance, Gillette area. Uh, he's got a spot right in there. In fact, he leases a piece of property next to his that a lot of the real tree guys used to hunt, and they're, they're always trying to battle to get this property back off of my buddy. So, Pretty excited, pretty exciting opportunity for sure. I mean, there's not, it's not like Iowa. You're not going to be, probably not going to see too many booners, but they're there. There's a few there and uh, plenty of Pope and Young bucks, just a different style hunting. Uh, I've hunted the South Dakota side of the Black Hills a couple of times with them. 
and it's it's hard to describe the people that haven't been out there. I mean, you get into those Black Hills, you sit in a tree stand overlooking an alfalfa field, and I'm not kidding you, to have 100 deer come by you in one sit is not unusual. And it's like, man, I haven't seen this many deer in 10 years sitting in the stand in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it, it's insane. And it's just a matter of the, the waiting game. You know, you're waiting for the right buck the, that you want to take and hope that he comes by your stand. But, yeah, it's it's a great experience and uh, looking forward to spending some time with Brent. I only get to see him once a year if I'm lucky. So I'm looking forward to having a week to catch up with him and, you know, enjoy his fellowship and, and hopefully we'll knock a couple of nice bucks down out there. And when, yeah, are you sure. guys, when are you guys doing that hunt? What dates and uh, what are you holding out for on that hunt, each of you? Go ahead, Brent. So as far as dates, um, I want to say our hunt starts November 15th. Um, I'm hoping to head out a little bit early. Um, another buddy of mine, uh, that he's actually the one that made yours and Brian's uh, habitat flags. Um, he's going with me, so depending on his schedule, somewhere around that 15th, uh, we're going to head out there. As far as what I'm holding out for, being a Michigan hunter, I've never hunted Iowa. Um, hunted Missouri one time, but wasn't successful. I- I'm trying to get in that 120-plus range. Um, you know, a good mature buck is what I'm after. Obviously looking for a decent rack, but I I've always hunted – for when when my heart starts pounding that's my buck you know i i'm not good at scoring so if i get jacked on that deer that's good enough for me yeah i'm in the same boat i mean my buddy seems to uh see a lot of 130s type deer out there that are that are pretty plentiful he said you you occasionally get the the 40 and 50 type deer they're there he's he's got a real nice one in that 50s range that he's keeping an eye on for us. But uh shouldn't be an issue to get a 130. I mean, he says it's not, you know, it's not a stretch. They're they're, they're very plentiful in that wow. in that size range. So that's that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'd be happy with it. Even a Pope and Young, anything over 125, if it, if it trips my trigger, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get a shot at it. So. But yeah, we've got the, the the whole week, the fifteenth through the twenty first, blocked off of uh, November. Then, uh, yes. So, and, and an interesting twist to that. Once I committed to that hunt, I had a friend, uh, Bob. You, you guys know Bob. You met him at the ATA. He had a cancellation on the Kansas hunt, and it just happened to be the day before the the deadline to put in for the tag. So. He called me and we kind of talked about it and I'm like, okay, let me let me check with my wife and daughter because my daughter started college this year and I wanted to make sure everything was copacetic before I committed to that. And he was like, well, you can call me back later on, but just to let you know, the the deadline's tomorrow. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's good to know. So we were able to make it happen. Uh, that hunt's going to start just before this Wyoming hunt, so you know. People talk a lot, you know, you get out there and Bob and, and a couple of guys we're going with, they said it's not uncommon to be tagged out in the first day. It's just that type of farm. It's just a different world out there. So I've never been there. I, I have a tendency to bring some of my uh, famous luck with me. So it might take me longer. Hopefully not. But, 
you know, I'm just looking forward to, to heading out west. I love love heading that direction and just all the scenery and, and the and the different type of uh, things you see from your tree stand and just, just the people, the experience. You know, Kansas, I'm probably going to be a little more picky. That's 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 a you know special area that we're going to, a special state, and it's not out of the question to have some booners running around there. So I'm not saying I'm holding out for a booner because that's kind of unrealistic for anybody. Those things aren't everywhere. But, you know, I may pass up a, a 20s or 30s deer if there's some 40s and 50s running around. But, you know, that that's my goal is to just enjoy, soak up the experience, and uh, hopefully punch a tag or two out of the four I got with uh, – my home state of Pennsylvania and in the project 311 we got going on in Ohio. That's uh, basically what I'm shooting for. That, that, I mean, you put that into words exactly how I would handle it myself. But considering we're on a podcast and I can ask any question I want, I need you to, <laughs> I need you to, to dial into the inch what you'll pass in Kansas. Uh, well, first of all, what date do you start Kansas? Well, it was supposed to be the 12th, which was interesting, but then we got pushed back to the 14th. So I'm going to try to get there. And when are you starting Wyoming? We can get there the 15th. So you so got Brent, So Brent and John are definitely going to be there. They're going to get set up. Doug's going right. to get them set up. So if I'm a couple of days behind, they're sure. not going to be affected at all. Okay, so I so could be a few days behind. Two-part question. First of all, what inch buck – are you are the highest inch buck you'll pass in Kansas? And second of all, what day will you call it quits in Kansas and leave to Wyoming if your tag is not filled? You have to pick right now or you can't go on either trip. So you're saying a minimum inch of Kansas. Is that the first question? Well, like what's the biggest deer you would pass? Like to the inch because you're in Kansas for up to a week if you want to be or whatever. Well, the first couple of days, I'm not going to shoot anything under a 140. Okay. If I can help it. Okay. Uh, third, fourth, fifth day, you know, the decent 130 type deer comes in. Sure. I think that's a perfect answer. I mean, I'd be in the same boat. Iowa was kind of the same way for me. First day, I passed a really nice deer, and then as things start going on, you, your expectations change, right, or your goals change. Right. Okay, say you don't see any bucks the whole time you're in Kansas. Nah, take that back. Say you see a bunch of Pope and Youngs running around, but you've seen a couple of big boys, 150, far out, 80 to 500 yards, because Kansas you can see a long way. Right. Not, not in bow range. How many days are you going to sit in Kansas and not go to Wyoming for? Well, I believe we only have a week. So, And Wyoming, you already said, 130s are probably the, the sure. average or sure. a, good, a good average. So, I mean, I, I, I will probably stay in Kansas as long as I can, I realistically. Don't, I don't blame you. Because – I can go to Wyoming anytime. I'm already uh, – Dave and Chris already want to go next year for for the September 1st opener to get a chance at a velvet deer. So it's, you know, I'm putting the emphasis on Kansas, if that answers your question. 
Yep, for sure. I just wanted to dive in a little, a little more specific. And uh, you know, sure. I, I get it, man. Um, my buddies Eric McKay and Joe Sniffy, Joe Diffy, we call them. They've been going out to Wyoming for the September first opener for the past four or five years. They come home with a mule deer each, an antelope each, and an assortment of other critters and sheds every year. I mean, it's Wyoming's awesome. From what I've heard, I've never been. That's but it's special. Okay, so we got that, and and uh, how about on the three eleven lease? What are you holding out for on Project three eleven? And if anybody doesn't know what Project three eleven is and is still listening to this podcast after we've been rambling out for this long, it is an awesome <laughs> habitat lease project that Brian has taken the reins of in terms of habitat on a really good area in southern Ohio, or I should say kind of southeastern Ohio. Um, just spent some history there with some great bucks from your buddies, Chris, Bob, David. Um, what are you – you got a 140 rule, right? Yeah, they got a 140 minimum there, so. Well, that might answer that question. Yeah. Yep, so. Yeah, I mean, they're – they say, you know, if you end up with a one high 130s or something, you're not going to get crucified. But, you know, it, and me being from Pennsylvania, th- I've been studying all year about scoring deer. I mean, I've I've tried to brush up on it over the years, but I'm not from a big buck state. I'm not used to seeing bucks coming by and field judging them. So this it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a challenge for me just to get in the rhythm of making that quick decision. You know, because here's a Pennsylvania 130-type deer behind me, Gorgeous. and that was a no-brainer for me. As soon as he comes, I was like, I'm shooting that buck. So it's kind of like, you know, I got to brush up on that field judging and, uh, you know, hope hope I don't make any of my lease mates unhappy. Oh, I'm sure uh, you'll you'll come through in, in the end. I, I have a lot of confidence in you. Um, I think uh, – for me, for my stuff, I really want to kill a deer on the 15 this year, a buck. Um, I'm going to kill a doe or two right off the bat if I can, or at least for the season, a doe or two on my 15. There's so many deer out there in in the area. And um, I'd like to put a, a three-and-a-half-year-old or older buck down on, on the 15. They're in there. They come Well, they come through there, I should say. Nothing's really... There. I might have one spot where they bed against the swamp. So I'd like to kill a, a nice buck on the 15. Um, that's my probably my number one goal. So I kind of put a lot of emphasis on that. I didn't plan any trips to the UP bear hunting in October because of that. But now that probably changed. Um, Did you go it, into the uh, logging much on any of the podcasts? I don't think we went into that too much. We didn't. It's we looking didn't. great. Thank you. I I agree. Thank you. Like I actually did something. Um, no, I. It's looking awesome. Um, the the soil where they made the two tracks, the logging roads, which were never there, is black as black, and the grains are like going gangbusters for that awesome, you know, nutrient rich soil. And we got some rain. My food plots in the timber. In the logged area that was done two weeks ago, are look better than my stuff that's been baking out in the sun. Um, that's incredible. 
So I'm going to spend some time in there, um, try to kill a nice buck. I'm pretty much leaving it at that. I really don't care. I, wanna, I just want to kill a nice buck. And then um, I'm actually going down to Illinois for a gun hunt with our good buddy, Mr. Jordan Hanks. No way. So Jordan's been asking to, for me to come down for a couple of years, and um, I freaking love that guy. Like like you and Brent, we only see each other ATA, right? Yeah. Um, yep. So we're going to go down there and, and gun hunt opening day of uh, Illinois gun season, which is the 19th, I believe, of November. Oh, man. So, Prime time. Yeah, he's he's having some uh, some food plot you know, drought right now and this and that, and he's, you know, he's telling me it's not going to be worth a, sh- a crap and this and that. I, I'm like, dude, I'm from Michigan. It's going to be great. Just let's hang yeah. out. Yeah. Drink some Jordan Hanks. And, I only shot this 200-inch buck. Don't pay attention to this. 207-inch buck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was my only trip that I had scheduled hard that I bought tags for. Um I'd like to get down to Ohio. I'm going to get down to Ohio. I'm trying to figure out why this is the first time I'm hearing about this. I think you've heard about this. I think Hmm. I told you. You thought wrong. I don't think Brent knows. (laughs) Brent, do you know that? I knew about it. I just didn't know if I wanted to tell Brian, you know. I I didn't want to cause any tension between co-host and host here, you know. (laughs) Well, you should have seen our... Arrow we got discussion. that out on the on the text messages earlier. Yeah, we got our attention out on our on our arrow weight discussion <laughs> earlier today. Um, Hashtag 4HG. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag hashtag f off. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so yeah, I've been I've been uh, keeping that a little on the DL, and uh, but I'm pretty sure I told you, Brian and Brent. I don't even know if I told you, but you know about it because you're, you're a detective, so that makes sense. No, it's first yeah. I heard, and I'm excited for you, man. Maybe I told Brent that and not you. Uh, I get you drunk at the bar, Jared. That's how I get all my secrets out of you. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. You are an investigator. That works. So, so anyways, I'm hoping if I go down there with Jordan, which I'm going to go, um, it's a three-day hunt. I I'll shoot. I'd like to shoot a 130. That'd be nice, you know. Um, there's bigger deer down there. He's been sending me some trail cams. There's a bunch. I swear, man, Illinois, even though they hate the way that they run the state, they have more deer than – he's got more, like, you know, younger good bucks than Michigan times 10. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and you know, Curtis Harms, guy we interviewed a while back, he's got a bunch of deer. Uh, everybody we talked to down that way just – they're in the agricultural belt. They got some nice deer. So, but I'm not gonna be picky. Sammy. Oh, yeah. That's what I was trying to think. I'm trying to think of who else do I know in Illinois? Sam. He's like Sam, giant. just stop sending us pictures, please. Yeah. Killing us. And then he bought that new farm. Oh, oh my God. goodness. So now Sam's got two farms in Illinois. Wowzer. Yeah. Yeah. So, good buck in Michigan. No, I'm not putting inches on him. He could in Michigan could be 110, could be 125. Who knows? Could be 90 if he's old and messed up rack. He's he's getting shot. Um, Illinois, I'll probably go. I'd like to do 130. But like you, Ryan, like I don't. 
I don't sit here in Michigan and judge 130s when they walk by and go, hmm, right. what size is he? Maybe a, by the time you think that, my arrow's already zinging at him, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but hoping to make it down to Ohio, um, if I can get down there more than once or twice, I'd like to get down there and shoot a nice buck down there too. Probably my goal down there probably be, again, that 130 mark. Something like that. I'm like Brent though. If if that buck comes in, and my heart's my heart's beating, it's in my throat. Like it, like I get super excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it fly. I yeah. It's all about the experience. And I want to throw a disclaimer out there for any new listeners or young hunters that are listening to us. I don't want you to get the wrong idea that you have to put inches on anything. We we get into this discussion all the time because it's kind of hard to explain to each other what kind of deer we're looking for. So we throw these numbers on there just to talk about it and, you know, be happy with what you want to take. Don't measure your deer by inches or by anybody else's uh, standards. We've all, the three of us have been hunting a long time. We've killed a lot of two and a half year olds. We've moved up, we've progressed and that's just where we're at. And, you know, don't apply our standards to yours. Have fun, shoot whatever size buck you want. I just wanted to, get that out there and make sure anybody listening doesn't think we're some kind of big-time trophy hunters or anything like that. I'm very glad you say that, uh, sir, co-host. Nice job. Uh, that's where we want to to probably wrap this up at, you know, hunt your own hunt. A friend of mine, Bobby Roop, always says that, hunt your own hunt. You want to go out there and kill a spike, kill a spike. You want to go out there and kill a doe, kill a doe. Just do it legally and enjoy yourself after you shoot that deer you know thank god for the opportunity you got and sit there for sit there for an hour and watch everything else happen just enjoy yourself and have fun that's that's number one goal for sure we just put absolutely we just get a little wrapped up because we're kind of obsessed oh yeah absolutely brent anything else from you my man no, I mean, just go through my hunts real quick. Um, Wait, you have more you than know. what we covered? Well, I mean, just Michigan. Like, yeah, let's you hear know about my properties. It. Yeah. Oh, please. Like, just, no, I mean, you know my properties. They're, uh, I don't have a lot of trail cam photos that are showing, you know, a certain buck. I've got some good crop always every year, but I'm just waiting for that wild card. I mean, it, it seems like every year I get one or two wild card bucks that come through. Last year, you got to experience my one farm. We're sitting there opening weekend, BSing one one fifteen in the afternoon, and there's a one thirty five standing on top of the hill staring at us. You know, that um, was weird. Yeah, so, that was cool. Yeah, but uh, that farm, I mean, you know about it. That farm during the youth hunt, um, they seen a couple good bucks. I'm going outside my normal practices. Normally, I try to be reserved and hunt 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 and then hope during the rut to get a shot at it um we discussed it while we were on our bear hunt i'm going in opening day gonna do a observation set get good intel where those bucks are coming from i'm pretty sure i know where they're at where they're headed i'm going to confirm that and then if a shot arises great but the next day i'm going in hard um october 2nd and 3rd i'm going on a kill hunt you know i'm Dan and Paul and all those guys, uh, DeQuesto, you know, listen to their podcast and 
listening to him, you know, you got to make the move. You got to get aggressive, and I'm hoping it's going to pay off this year. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. I uh, you're on some some good deer rich farms up there in Central Michigan, and um, I think your plan to to get after those couple of big boys you've been seeing right off the bat before anybody else does on that property that you share permission on is uh, is the best thing. It's going to be hot. It's going to be tough, but. Yeah. Uh, you got to get after them before they get spooked out of there. There's no question. Yep. Yep. But, no, that's that's pretty much it. Like you, if I kill in Michigan uh, before I go to Wyoming with Brian, I might try to sneak down to Ohio, try some public land down there. But um, we don't have any leases this year down there. So I've got a killer spot public land in Ohio. It's 5,000 acres of public. I don't share it with too many people, but. You're welcome to it. Perfect. There might even be a, a shed cabin nearby. Might be. <laughs> there might not be. Guys, this was great. I really appreciate you both coming on. Like Brian said, just hunt your hunt. Have a great fall. And if you shoot something, let us know. We'll post it up. We'd love to see what you're doing, how your food plots look and what you're killing. So, Good luck this fall, and um, just FYI, the next two episodes are from somebody y'all have heard of, and it's really good. <laughs> right, Brian? Yeah, we had some great guests in the last couple of recordings, so in- including Brent. I mean, thankful that he took time oh, I- out of his night to come on, and looking forward to hunting with him in Wyoming. Yeah, I, I want to thank you guys for having me on, but I, I know the special guest you speak of, and I can't hold a candle to that man. So <laughs> None of us can. <laughs> All right, boys. Let's wrap it up. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could... Please do us a favor, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, HabitatPodcast.com, we have our Habitat Property Consultation Services on there under the Land Plan tab. Check out our HP Land Plans there. We also have hats, T-shirts, and decals up at HabitatPodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, you know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. We have Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Packer Max Cultipackers, Huntwise, Killer Food Plots, The Habitat Hook, Realtree United Country Land Pro, Lake States Realty and Auction, Sound Barrier Hunting, and Morse Nursery. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers.